2 Corinthians. We are making our way through chapter 8, verse 10, through chapter 9, verse 5. And we're dealing with a section that I have entitled Integrity of Stewardship. Integrity of Stewardship. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, beginning at verse 10. If you would please follow along with the reading of the Word of God. I give my opinion in this matter, for this is to your advantage, who were the first to begin a year ago, not only to do this, but also to desire to do it. But now, finish doing it also, so that just as there was the readiness to desire it, there may be also the completion of it by your ability. For if the readiness is present, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. For this is not for the ease of others, and for your affliction, but by way of equality. At this present time, your abundance being a supply for their need, so that their abundance may also become a supply for your need, and there may be equality. As it is written, He who gathered much did not have too much. He who gathered little had no lack. But thanks be to God who puts the same earnestness on your behalf in the heart of Titus. For he not only accepted our appeal, but being himself very earnest, he has gone to you of his own accord. We have sent along with him the brother whose fame in things of the gospel has spread through all of the churches. And not only this, but he has also been appointed by the churches to travel with us for this gracious work which is being administered by us for the glory of the Lord himself to show our readiness, taking precautions so that no one will discredit us in our administration of this generous gift. For we have regard for what is honorable and not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. We have sent with him our brother whom we have often tested and found diligent in many things. But now even more diligent because of his great confidence in you. As for Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker among you. As for the brethren, they are messengers of the churches, a glory to Christ. Therefore, openly before the churches, show them the proof of your love and of our reason for boasting about you. For it is superfluous for me to write to you about this ministry to the saints, for I know your readiness, for of which I boast about you to the Macedonians, namely that Achaia has been prepared since last year, and your zeal has stirred up most of them. But I have sent the brethren in order that our boasting about you may not be made empty in this case, so that as I was saying, you may be prepared. Otherwise, if any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to speak of you, will be put to shame by this confidence. So I thought it necessary to urge the brethren that they would go on ahead to you and arrange beforehand your previously promised bountiful gift so that the same would be ready as a bountiful gift and not affected by covetousness. Father, 
help us to see the glory of this text. And Father, help us as brothers and sisters in Christ to see the needs of the saints. Step up with sacrifice and generosity that can only be done with the love of Christ poured in our hearts. Father, may the treasures you have poured upon us be the tools that you use this fellowship to do great and mighty things that only you get the credit for. Thank you, my Father, my Savior, my Lord. Father, thank you for this blessed fellowship. Thank you for these wonderful people, for your word, the power of your spirit in your people, and the wonderful privilege to walk in a manner worthy of our calling to the glory of you who spoke existence into being. In Christ's name, amen. This text is often overlooked. Some people just look at it and say, well, if you're going to have a fundraising thing, then use this text. This is just some footnote stuff that Paul is sticking in a letter that really doesn't have a lot to do with what's going on in the church in Corinth. I think it's silly. It wouldn't be in the Bible if it was that. Okay, <laughs> I guess I guess I could beat around the bush and you figure out where I'm standing. But uh, when I read it, I, I, I look at it in its intensity. And one of the things that amazes me, we spent many years looking at First Corinthians. Okay, those of you who've been in this fellowship, and First Corinthians, you see a church that was breaking this man's heart. I mean, I don't care how you slice that thing; uh, those people had not head down to an art. And, and you just, you couldn't believe what was going on in 1 Corinthians. But then you see that there was a letter that was written that we don't have that's called the severe letter. It was taken by Titus. And when they, that was read before the congregation, they repented and they wanted their relationship with the apostle Paul restored. We see that happen in chapter 7 of 2 Corinthians. So now he's writing 2 Corinthians to encourage them as they prepare for this offering that they were in the process of taking a year earlier for the saints who were suffering in Jerusalem. And so they're getting this offering together, but they're getting it from all of the Gentile churches. He talks about Macedonia. We know that in Macedonia, there was Philippi, there was Thessalonica, and there was Berea. We know that, that when you drop down south into Achaia, this is all the Greek peninsula. The only thing you had really was Corinth. And yet Corinth would have been a lot better off wealth-wise because it was what is called a free city. When slaves were released in their freedom, they could get a parcel of land in Corinth and start their businesses as Roman citizens. Okay? This had been going on, and in the process of this restoration, Paul's credibility, his character was attacked. All right? And... You have people who will do that. Let's be realistic. All you have to do this day is just throw out an accusation. That's all you do. You don't have to have no proof behind it. Just say something. All right. Winston Churchill says a lie is halfway around the planet before truth gets its shoes on. And that's true. That's true. Still, still that way. And what they were doing, some people had come in and attacked the Apostle Paul. If I can attack his character, then I can attack his doctrine. If I can attack his doctrine, I can divide the church and I can make this thing do what I need it to do. This organization. The Apostle Paul, understanding this and understanding that that still lays there. You're still going to have your accusers in this congregation in Corinth, has put together what I call integrity of stewardship. And in these verses, verse 10 through 9, 5, you see what it is to collect the money 
You see how to collect the money and you see what to do with the money that you're going to, to the person that you're going to give it to or situation you're going to give it to. Those of you who have been in this congregation very long, you understand that years ago we made a, a, a firm foundational ministry that if we're going to partner with you, the book has got to be the single most important thing. Out of that comes other stuff. But if you don't have that focus, we have nothing in common. Whether it is dealing in Myanmar, whether it is dealing in India, whether it is dealing in Israel, whether it's dealing in Belarus, or whether it's dealing in Russia, whether it's dealing in England, any of those, if you do not have your first priority is the Word of God, I can't help you. All right? And all the people that we minister alongside with globally right now all have that ability. And you guys know that God has honored that response. In ways that you and I can't even imagine, to be honest with you. And I don't even, we're not done. Okay? So when I think about this, and I read through this text, I think about integrity. Let's be realistic. I, you know, I have a stack of, uh, of mail that is in my trash can of people wanting me to help them. Ministries. Alright? But they don't have anything to do with ministry. You know, it, and you know what? And I don't mind helping people. That's why I wanted to set up a separate fund with this church. We have the food closet. A lot of those people ain't saved. We're, we're just showing the love of Christ. Okay. But we should have a separate place that we can move money if we need to, to help saints. Pastor Paul needing glasses. He's got to have it by Tuesday. Why can't we do that? That shouldn't be that difficult. The summer camps, we're going to have a whole six months. To collect for the summer camps. You know, 40 to $50 per kid. Give as you can. We've already looked at this. Giving is voluntary. Okay, there's no tithe. Tithe is a tax. You pay your taxes. That's what them people in Washington and in Denver do. We don't do that. Pay your taxes. That's what Paul told the Romans. You pay those. All right? But you give as God moves your heart. It's, it's, that's not that complicated. And, and, and... As your heart is moved, that's what you're going to do. Now listen, he tells the Corinthians, this is to your advantage. And people keep saying, well, you know, you just don't. Now I'm telling you. Do you think you can outgive God? All right. I mean, it's, it is that simple. If you think you can outgive God, then try it. See what happens. I watch what we have done as a congregation no bigger than what we are, and I know why it works. You know why? We can't take credit for it. If we had 10,000 members and were taking care of nine pastors globally and have two orphanages and I don't know how many schools, uh, you'd expect that. But we're doing that with this group. Okay? We can't take credit for that. God stretches the dollars. And I, I just sit there and kind of giggle. All right? But that's the stuff that you have to look at because it's voluntary. I'm not going to manipulate you saying, show you a picture of a poor, starving child and says, will you let him perish? I've I seen a commercial this week over the holidays and they were singing Silent Night and they had a dog chained up in a doghouse on how we have to protect animals. What? 
silent night. Everybody should know that those are cows and goats. No. <laughs> Sheep. So it's voluntary, but it's faithful. What you begin, finish. If God puts the earnestness in your heart to do it, finish it. If he doesn't put it in your heart, don't do it. It's funny because I get a lot of people who want to come to me as the pastor and tell me what's moving in their heart. Ain't mine. (laughs) I love you. If God put it in your heart, step up. Okay? Because you guys don't want to know what he puts on mine. All right? But these are the things that I want you to be aware of. Okay? Finish what he starts with you. Okay? You only give as one has. Okay? You can look in this congregation right now. We have a variance of incomes. It doesn't mean that one person gives too much and one person doesn't give a lot. I did that men's conference back in uh, October in New Jersey or Pennsylvania, wherever they ended up taking me. And there was a man there who's extraordinarily successful in business. Okay, and what I mean when I say extraordinarily, I'm talking really like extraordinarily. Okay, a private jet, extraordinarily, that kind of stuff. That's that's extraordinarily successful in business. Okay, and he doesn't like to talk to people about it. When people ask him what he does, he tells them he's in petroleum, and he leaves it at that, because he says people start thinking he should. You know, do more, give more, whatever. He takes his Sunday school out for lunch every Sunday. And he foots the bill. But he picks the restaurant. And it's always a very, very nice restaurant. And that's part of what he does and what he gives. Okay? But he's he's sitting there talking to me. He says, it's hard because everybody thinks that, you know, that I'm the one who's supposed to carry the church. That I'm the one who's supposed to. And I give. And I, you know, I could, I, meeting with him and his wife, I understand that. Okay? He's got a lot of money. I mean, a lot of money. All right? And he gives. But there's a time that we get in. We've made this joke here that when we don't have very many people, we have these massive offerings. Okay? When we have a lot of people, there's nothing. And you try to figure out, well, what is up with that? Okay, and all I can figure is everybody looks around and says, well, I don't have to give as much today because there's more people. I had a person come to me, he says, you're going to walk in there and you're going to tell them you're not tithing. And if you tell them they're not tithing, it's just going to shrink. Because now people say, well, I don't have a goal to go for. Yeah, you do. You follow your heart. You follow your heart. But you give as... One needs. It's like, and then the next text that you see there, 13 through 15 and chapter 8, it, it balances. The, the New American Standard calls it equality. It's actually the Greek word is the balance. Pastor Paul lives in Myanmar. They have basically, uh, I guess if you wanted to call it, it's, it's socialized medicine. It ain't what you think it is. Okay. They'll take care of you as long as you can get to one of the two hospitals in the country. All right. So you can say, well, hey, yeah, they'll tell you. Oh, yeah. If you can get there. (laughs) okay. And one of the things he does is when he does get an opportunity to come to the United States, he goes through uh, last time he was here, what, three years ago, I think it was. uh, We did the dental thing. 
<laughs> we had a, a guy in here who worked uh, for a dentist, um, makes dentures and stuff like that. And so we got him set up with some new choppers and he thought he was, he just smiled more. But anyway, but, but whenever he's here, we try to take care of his medical needs. And so uh, we'll see what we can do with what he's asked for. All right, but it balances the body. Why? We have it. We have resources. I mean, even as small as we are, we have some. But it also is submission, verses 16 and 17, it is submission to the leadership. All right, as the leadership of this church, as part of the leadership of this church, when there are things that come across my desk that you guys never hear about, okay? It's, I, I just, I am not comfortable with it. Their focus ain't the same as mine, and I'm not going to bring it up anymore. All right. There's other times that we have people that we minister alongside have. We have a track record with them and we assist them however we can. Okay. It's submission to the leadership. God, if God puts godly leaders in your life, you really need to listen to them. Okay. Listen, I understand how this is corrupted. Please. I, I didn't wake up last night. All right. I, I just want you to know I, I have seen the corruption. I've been around a while. All right. But what I'm saying is one of the things, the tragedies that, I, that cause that come out of all of the scandals is that we get to where we don't trust any of the leaders. And yet God puts godly men in positions to care for the body of Christ. And the body of Christ is a global entity. And, and, I, and in other times, you can get frustrated in leadership because you see the need, but everybody's, I don't know about that. So you got to watch out for that. It's submission to the leadership then the last two weeks we looked at 18 through 23 and giving is for accountability that the heart of giving is that i am accountable right and he had titus who was a gentile helping the jews in jerusalem okay he had another famous preacher that the churches all knew who were helping and then he had a third person that the churches have sent also. So he's got these other men who are all in agreement that this need is there. It is real. And let's step up to it. There's an accountability with this uh, generous offering. This bountiful gift. All right, and we'll look at that in a couple of weeks. All right. But when you do that, you're saying, here's a group of godly men that God has placed in our lives that are all of like mind who are going to do this and we are accountable and the churches know two of them really well. And a lot of the churches were founded by the Apostle Paul, but they would know Paul. But remember, there was people making false accusations that Paul was in it for the money. All right, I showed you his sarcasm in chapter 11 and 12 that, you know, he, nah, he says, well, I'm robbing from other churches to support you. Uh, I like that kind of <laughs> anyway. But let me show you another one in verse 24. Therefore, openly before the churches, show them the proof of your love and of our reason for boasting about you. Giving and in, with integrity is an expression of love. Is an expression of love. He starts with this word, therefore. It's a summary. Because of what I've laid out. Why? Because giving is voluntary. Because giving is to be finished. Because giving is one has. Because it balances the body. Because it's submission to authority. Because of our accountability. Therefore. 
Okay? Therefore, it is proof of your love. Okay, but look at how he says it. Openly before the churches. Paul understood all that is at stake here. Let's do this openly before all of the churches so that everybody knows what's going on. And if you think about it, you've got the churches in Macedonia given. You've got the churches in uh, Achaia given. There's a good possibility Paul's writing this from Asia Minor, from Ephesus. There's a good possibility that the churches in Asia Minor are adding to the kitty. To take all of this. And he says, let's do this openly before all of the churches. All right. That shows the proof of your love. He's already taken all of the precautions. He's instructed how to give. Okay. And he's instructed on what to give. He's instruction to complete this giving. He instructed that it needs to be under godly leadership. Okay. There, he understands that it, there's an accountability factor there. Therefore, give. And do it openly. Do it openly. The literal Greek phrase there, it says openly before the churches. It literally means in the faces of the people. In the faces of the people. Let the people see how generous you are. I, uh, I, I go up usually every fall and meet with the president of the Baptist Union in Russia and all of our partners that were in the Antioch Initiatives that we took off to start teaching teachers. We always meet up there. You guys are some of the most highly looked upon people in the whole Russian ministry. Because we don't play games. They are stunned by the degree of our giving for no bigger than we are. They don't. How do you do it? We've got some churches that are in the Antioch coalition that have 10,000 members and support one pastor. We support five. That's not bad. Plus all the trips, I don't five or six trips that I took to Russia to teach. All right. The people see how generous we are. The staff of SGA see it. I walk in and Alexi comes up to me, the president of the Baptist Union. He has oversight over churches in 11 time zones. I walk in, it was last year, I walk in and Sergey was there. He's an interpreter. And Sergey's there and he said, how's it going? He's been praying for my son, uh, Joshua, who was in Afghanistan. And he wanted to know how Joshua was doing. Sergey said, Alexei, Alexei, and does the Russian thing. I think he just called me names. But anyway, <laughs> had to because that guy's laughing. But anyway, so he comes over and he introduces me and he says, I have heard so much about your congregation. This is the president of the Baptist Union. He has churches in 11 time zones, people. And he says, I have heard of your dedication. We just send him checks, I thought. Let your love be seen. You say you love, prove it. 
Greater love has no man than this. And a man laid down his life for his friends. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. That's what Jesus told us. This isn't rocket science, people. Okay? Paul is telling the Corinthians, let's see your love. Why? Because it is an expression of your love. Your giving expresses your love. It is to your advantage. I agree. But because it is to your advantage, express it. Listen, and let all of the churches see. Let all of the churches see. The opportunity to give is visibly displaying your love. It is seen. And listen, the widow who gave a penny, two copper coins, outgave because she gave out of her poverty. You don't give it out of your wealth. You give it according to your wealth. Display your love for the saints. Display your love for the church because those display your love for the Lord. Our testimony is linked to that. How you give shows your love. You say you're a Christian. Prove it. Prove it. You know, people go hang out in a church. That don't make you a Christian. That's like standing in a garage makes you a car. It don't happen. But as I give... People see my love. What is important? You can sit down at a conversation, a very casual conversation, and within just a few moments, you know what that person's priority is. It's easy to spot. People look at the church and they can say that is a generous church. People can look at a church and say that's a giving church. A sacrificial church. The testimony of our love is what do we do with our money. Now listen, brothers and sisters, now, you know, I, we've got some visitors and, and all the rest of it. Some of you guys have been with me since I took this pulpit. I want you to think about something. Do you realize that there are brothers and sisters that are aged and children in Myanmar who know your love? They know your love. Do you know that you have men and women in Punjab, India, who know your love? They're taking the gospel to the Taliban, and it is because of your love. They know your love for them. They know your love for Christ is directly proportionate to your love for them because they are Christ's people. Do you know that you have pastors who are suffering under the last dictator in Europe, in Belarus, who are taking the gospel under persecution and they do it because of your love? They know your love. They know your generosity. They know that you are bathed in the grace of Jesus Christ. You're walking worthy because of your giving. Do you know 
that you have an orphanage in Orel, Russia, that the orphans know your love? Do you know that you have four pastors in Orel that know your love? Do you know that the Third Baptist Church of Orel knows your love because you helped build it? The house of prayer in Zemimka knows your love because you helped renovate that house and turn it into a place to worship. You did it. The little camp that the children's camps are at, your love helped purchase that piece of property and they're sitting there saying, a bunch of Americans in a place that we don't even know Love us so much, they sent us money. And we built them a shower and a cook station. After we bought the land. After we bought the place for the Third Baptist Church of Orel. Because of your love and those people know it. And it continues to grow as they reach their communities with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Those people will never forget it. And you know what? None of them can question your love. Do you guys remember, some of you weren't here. Do you guys remember my first trip to Russia? And I had you all get out on the front step. You remember that? I still have that picture. I took a picture and I took it to Russia with it. Do you know what's in every church in Orel? And you know what? Actually, we got more people in here today than we had standing out there on that step. That day. And they look at that. And when Valeri emails me. And he says. I pray for you and your church daily. You know what? He does. You know why? Because he knows you love him. And what he's doing. His Sunday school class is 1500 people. But it is because of our love that they're reaching bigger and bigger into their community. They know we love them and they love us. So many. Listen, I walk around here. I've been in this community for way too long. No, I have been in this community very, very long. And one of the things that I see that breaks my heart is that the churches here are very self-indulgent. Okay? And you know, they can tell me all the things they want to tell me, but what I watch in their actions is self-indulgence. All right? Because I have seen churches that don't have a building and yet are very, very, very strong. And 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 it's, it's just disappointing but that is what our society is our society promotes self-indulgence there's no longer a want it is a need i need this what fill in the blank fill in the blank i looked at a 2014 harley davidson yesterday nice bike 90 horse 103 cubic inch, inline one pipe. Oh, golly. I looked down there and said, huh, that's pretty slick. He says, you want to sit on it? I knew that's the curse. And I was, yeah, I'll sit on it. 
So I sat on it. And I said, well, I'd like to put an intake on it. And I'd like to uh, get a stage two upgrade on the computer. I said, what am I looking at? Says, he says, I told him, I said, now I got an 04 electric glide. I'll trade you. He said, oh, that's all right. How many miles on it? I said, all of them. And uh, <laughs> he looks at me. And he says, well, hang on a minute. So he starts doing this and adding. And I what I said, he says, well, what you want for tune-up and what you want for the bike? He says, now, you know, that's a 2014. I said, it's pretty. He says, $30,000. <laughs> you still got to put your feet down when you stop. $30,000, I don't want to put my feet down. And I said, well, that's, that's great. I'll stick with my old four. They want to indulge you. They want to indulge you. Listen, simply hear what Paul is trying to tell the Corinthians is let everyone see the proof of your love. The Corinthians understood love. You understand that, right? We have that one text that everybody likes to read at their wedding. I didn't read it mine, but... 1 Corinthians 13, beginning at verse 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. It's not jealous. Love does not brag. It's not arrogant. It's not act unbecomingly. does not seek its own. It's not provoked. does not take an account of a wrong suffered. does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with truth. Bears all things. Believes all things. Hopes all things. Endures all things. Love never fails. You know what's funny about that? It's all verbs. It's not icky sentimentalism. They knew when you love, you give. It costs you everything to love. People don't understand that. I watch people when they fall in love. You know what happens when they start? They give ridiculously. And then somewhere down the line, (laughs) ah! (laughs) They don't see it through to the finish. (laughs) I think about a parent's love for their children in spite of the children. Right? And my kids are all grown and gone. They're just not far enough gone. I think they need to be on the dark side of the moon. That way their phone calls won't bother me no more. Why? Because I love them. I think it's time for you to stand on your own and quit bugging me for money. When you love one another, you you give. You give without boundaries. You give sacrificial. You give generously. That's how love responds. That's how love responds. That's the way it's always done it. Let everyone see your love, Paul tells the Corinthians. Why? Because they will see why we are boasting. We are boasting at the restoration of the relationship between this church and the Apostle Paul. Let's see your love. We have told others about your love. One of the things I learned dealing with Russia is Russia is extraordinarily poor. Okay, now they like to think they were a superpower, but they were a poor superpower. They look at America as the the proverbial goose with the golden eggs. 
All right. And so when they ask you for something, you do not say, I will pray about it. Because if you're going to pray about it, they already got an answer. So you're going to get the same answer that they've got. What's their answer? Give me the money. Okay, because that's why they prayed about this. And all of a sudden now here's this American standing there. Yeah, that's how they look at it. So I learned that ain't what you say. All right. Now, listen, they're not asking for things. They don't want a brand new Harley. All right. They're asking to be able to buy a piece of property that some widow has is preparing to die and they want to give her money. So she'll have a casket and then she will give to the church this house and they will turn it into a house of prayer. All right. They got a completely different mindset than what we do, but they still look at it and say, you're Americans. You have endless funds. And I said, no, that's never mind. <laughs> the, the thing that I want you to be aware of is if we're all praying in the same sense, then we're all going to be getting the same answers. I understand that. Let everyone see your love. Why? Then we can boast. I know that these guys that I have dealt with in Russia and and Pastor Philip in India and Pastor Paul in Burma, uh, the guys, the doors that are opening in Israel right now, I have dealt with these people. I have talked with these people and I know what God is doing. I have no doubts in it. But I also know that we have limited resources in this group. And so I'm not going to ask us to do more than what we can. But yet there are people who run around and boast about us. They just don't know you that well. (laughs) If they knew you better. Paul is saying, I want your love to be put on display. Show it. Let all see. When I go back to the text there, and, and, and he uses that phrase. Openly before the churches. Why? So you show the proof of your love and the reason of our boasting in you. Openly before the churches. So that they can all see it. See how much you love. They will know you belong to Christ. The truth of your faith. First John 3. You close your love. How does the love of God dwell you? But there's times that we get self-indulgent. We're all guilty of it. And when you become self-indulgent, you close your love. You don't give. How can you possibly love if you don't give? I don't understand that. It has never made any sense to me. All right, But I see people who do it. Paul says, we've been boasting about your love, Corinth. We boasted to the church in Ephesus. We've been boasting to the Macedonian churches. Now, put it on display openly before the faces of the people so that the people can see what you're doing. Nothing is more characteristic of love than a generous, sacrificial giving. And you know what's amazing? I read this chapter 8 and... He ends chapter 8 the same way he starts chapter 8. 
Back to the beginning. Behind all of this is what? Love. You go through those nine points and love is giving voluntarily. Love is giving faithfully. Love is giving as one has. Love is giving as the balances of the body. Love is my sub- giving of submission to those who are in authority over me. Love is, a, is the expression of it. And love sets an example. And love overcomes covetousness. This ain't complicated. This ain't complicated. Behind all of this is the fact that God's love has been poured into our hearts. All of this is out of love. You want to see integrity in your stewardship. Integrity in your giving. Ask yourself how much you love the saints. It's that simple. You know what I learned the hard way? I cannot separate the Bible from the person of Jesus Christ. I remember a guy one time got bad at me and he says, you have turned the Bible into an idol. And I was like, dude, you should have seen the things I used to worship. Okay, but I thought, you know what? In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. That's not a bad idol. I I didn't get by with that. But you know what else I learned? You can't separate the church from Jesus Christ. You can't separate the saints from Jesus Christ. You can't separate it. So when you say you love Christ, you get a package deal. Okay, and listen, I understand some saints are just a little tougher to love than others. Okay? You know, some saints are like little porcupines. Cute as a button, don't touch it. Okay? And hope that it goes away. No. <laughs> can I say that? I guess I can. I hope they start the second Baptist church. But anyway, all of this still comes out of love. So if I have integrity in my stewardship, then I have to understand that I love the Lord Jesus Christ, all my heart, soul, mind, strength, which would include the church, which would include the saints, which would include the word. If I'm not doing that, I might want to reevaluate me because I guarantee you it will affect your giving. You become self-indulgent and you will fall in love with the false trinity. Me, myself and I. And that's what happens every time. It's all out of love. All for this to see your love. A great way to show your love is how do you handle your money and how do you give? You see a need? What do you do with it? You know what the common response is? I'll pray about it. Well, dude, if you see the need, the prayer is answered. That is not rocket science. And you, look, here's a need. I wonder what I should do with that. I know, call the pastor, have him pray about it. Continue to show your love, a love of giving. When I have a love of giving, then I will give voluntarily. I will give faithfully. I will give as I have. I will give because I want to balance the body of Christ. I will give because I am submission to those who have authority over me. I will give an accountability of those godly men God has put in my life. And I will give because it expresses my love, the love that I have for Jesus Christ. And I will give it to the saints.
That is giving or in stewardship with integrity. And we'll pick up chapter 9 next week. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the Apostle Paul. Father, thank you for the body of Christ. And Lord, I thank you for this precious congregation. And Lord, you know, as I was going through this and I thought about all the people that we have affected with the gospel um, directly and indirectly, uh, I stand in amazement to you. Father, you are doing exceedingly abundantly beyond what I could have ever thought or imagined. And yet, Father, with great joy, I know you're not finished. Help us, Lord, each and every one of us here individually walk worthy of this awesome calling. But, Father, help us also to seek your face, to seek your righteousness, to seek your kingdom. Father, set aside any bitterness we have, set aside our pride, and, Father, let us open wide the riches you have poured on each and every one of us so that your gospel may go forth in the power of the King of kings and Lord of lords. Thank you, my Father, in Christ's precious name. Amen.